0: Com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Okay. First of all, thank you, pastors and everybody else. Uh, let's pray so I know which way to go. So, Lord, we just thank you for tonight, night, Lord. We know you are in charge, Lord, in that we just uh, give this night to you. We pray for a fresh anointing. We pray ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm still not for sure exactly what to say. So we'll get into it. Um, and God has a way of... Bringing things back, uh, which you've thought you've laid down, and and uh, to pick things back up again, um, and so I think I think this is what this is. Um, the book of Zechariah says, "Don't despise small beginnings." This is a small church, but but God. We will see what happens. So, as I was meditating on what to say, there's a lot of thoughts which went through my mind. I think we will probably um, speak someday more on, okay, what does it mean to, or what do I feel what it means to be more of, connection, connections like that. Uh, and this is, this is Connected. And this is um, so we're gonna we're gonna go out of Matthew 16 tonight. Matthew 16. I think Pastor Greg is probably used to me going Old Testament, but I am New Testament tonight. So we'll make sure this Bible has Matthew in it. <laughs> Okay, so how many has watched The Chosen? I like The Chosen. Don't particularly like the way they portray Matthew. I have a different image of Matthew than the way they portray him. But I think it's, it's, it's good. There is the entertainment mountain needs to be taken back. And What's more entertaining than the gospel, really? What is more creative than God? God is the creator. And so so I think I think n where you're going to see that in the next few years is some of the mountains, you might say, is some of the uh, some of the uh, people Lance Wall now and then even goes back to Bill Bright and uh, Lauren Cunningham basically and Bill Bright was connected with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. Lauren Cunningham was connected with Youth for a Mission. Back in the '80s, they showed up at a meeting together. They were both in youth ministry, and they had this idea of of basically Seven Mountains, or it it's became Seven Mountains of You Take Back. You take back kind of what what Satan has stolen. Say, uh, Hollywood has stolen, has stolen basically the entertainment industry. The news media has been taken over. Your colleges most definitely have been taken over. We saw that back in I saw that back in when I was there, but it's probably it's probably a hundred times worse now. But I said we were going to Matthew sixteen and not Matthew twenty eight, right? Okay. So Matthew sixteen, we'll go to Matthew twenty. I'll go to Matthew twenty eight one one of these days. Matthew sixteen, the fresh Bible. Let's see, verse thirteen. And I'll go. I'll go read first, and then go book, and then go back through. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man? Am Who do you who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, That flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now you go on down. Peter has this great revelation, and then about five or six verses later, Jesus is telling Peter, get behind me, Satan, which shows the humanness of Peter. So Peter has this great revelation of God, and then all of a sudden, boom, he messes up. And that's so much like we are, as we get a revelation of God, and here... Why Jesus was saying, Peter, you don't have the full picture yet. Peter, Jesus had to go through the suffering. And after all this is Peter realized why. But at this point he's saying, no, you're the Messiah. You don't have to go through suffering. You can just win the battle because they thought the Messiah was going to come and defeat the Romans and basically establish Israel as a great empire. But God's plan was to go a lot deeper than that because he was touching on the Gentiles. If you go into the context of why Matthew was written, why Matthew wrote it, remember Matthew's the tax collector. This was portrayed, as I said, the chosen portrays might on, uh, on the spectrum, the um, autism spectrum. I um, don't know if, if I totally agree with that, but... It's a, a, but they have to, they have to, we give them license. Other things are great about it. So, so in that, so, but in reality, Matthew's the tax collector. So he learned basically the Romans way of doing things, but he was also Jewish. Another name for Matthew that you see is Levi. So in that, Levi, he was probably a priest or he was probably a priestly descent. So we have here Matthew being a priestly descent. What was the book of Matthew written? The book of Matthew was written to the Jews. The Jews were probably struggling with, okay, what is this new sect? S S E What is this new sect? What, what is it all about? And Matthew says, basically, because he remembered what Jesus said, he was barred by the Holy Spirit to write this book and say it is a different way of God. It's different. It's a different way of thinking about things of God. If we know anything about Judaism, and Pastor Brett recently has done a series on different religions and religious-type things, well, Judaism was very full of religion at this time. They kind of forgot what God was all about. So they have law upon law upon law. And Matthew, his whole purpose in writing this was to basically say, okay, there's a new way of doing things. Actually, it's the old way. Abraham did it. Moses did it. Samuel did it. David did it. But you guys have, and I forget how many laws there are, like 672 laws that the Jews had which basically said you got to do this, 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 and this. So they became legalistic instead of having the freedom of God. Now I want to major on the little phrase gates of Hades or gates of hell. So in that, Jesus came, back up at verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. So Caesarea Philippi, was kind of a region which used to be Jewish, but now it was kind of more Gentile. Now, legend has it, and I believe it was a legend that was true then, that the false god, according to Greek mythology, Pan, P-A-N, basically was born in Caesarea Philippi, and that there was basically a portico of, dem- of demons, basically, that they believe manifested in itself over Caesarea Philippi. And so we what we have here is Jesus took them to a place where it was manifested with the demonic. But Jesus was saying, You have victory. You will prevail over the gates of Hades. That is. That's why it says there. over the gates of hell, they're in fact, they're in fact the porticos, the gates. They used some mountain because it was close to Mount Hermon, which basically said, "This is where basically the demons manifest and where they came up up from Hades from." And so, and so that's what. That's why he took them to Caesarea Philippi, and then right here he goes into. What the whole question that everybody was asking. Everybody was asking, okay, at this time in Israel, they were asking, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Is he John the Baptist? He kind of looks like John the Baptist, but is he John the Baptist? Or is he, or is he Elijah, or is he Jeremiah, or is he some other prophet? See, they hadn't had really a prophetic ministry for four hundred thirty years, so they had to, they had to basically, to keep their religion, they had to make their laws. So they were asking who Jesus was, and that was the fundamental question: Who is Jesus? This is what everybody was asking. But then, Jesus got to the crux of the matter. And he goes, "Okay, but who do you say that I am and who do you and that's that's the question that has to be asked now. see is c s. Lewis portrayed that Jesus is either Lord liar or lunatic because the claims that he makes of himself, you either have to be Lord, you have to be a liar." or you have to be a lunatic. Just think, if somebody got up and started saying what Jesus did, especially from the book of John, nowadays in public, we'd have him arrested and put him in the insane asylum. But Jesus could back it up. And that's where, that's where basically he could back it up. That he And the miracles backed it up. So that is that is what was happening there. So he asked him that. We don't know if any of the other disciples responded. I think the chosen probably have Peter pretty correct that Peter was the one who probably spoke first because he was he was the type which he'd give an answer even if it was the wrong answer and he'd have to eat crow. That's just the way that's just the way Peter was. And so but he and he probably definitely he spoke for the others, too. says, no, you are the Christ. Now, Christ is, is the Greek terminology. I think he probably said, you are the Messiah. You are the one that we are expecting. You are the Son of God. And they knew what the Son of God meant. It's not like the your whole witness who believed the Son of God is a lesser because he's a son and not the Father. No, he is the Son of God right here. And so this is this is then what Jesus responds to Peter. Jesus says, "I say to you that you are Peter." Now, he was Simon Peter. we call him Peter now, but he was he was Peter. Peter means rock. And so there's kind of a play on words right there that you are Peter and on this rock. I will build my church. Now, some religions believe that Peter was the rock that the whole church is built upon. No, Peter is a representative. He was one of the first leaders, probably the premier leader, but he was, but is, is that's what Peter was. But the key there is the confession. The key there is what. Peter confessed that he is the Christ because the church is built upon that confession. It's built upon that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God. And if the church strays from that, then the church does not become the church anymore, but it's basically a social institution. And so that's what... That's what we have even now. The church is not the church anymore because it does not really believe, or a lot of the church, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is God. So, in that, let's look at what church means. The word for church there in the Greek is exclesia, which means the called out ones. But it has a deeper meaning than that. See, Ecclesia, if I'm pronouncing it right now, Ecclesia was like a, they had Ecclesias in Greek city-states, and this was written in Greek, and Ecclesia was like your city council. And so in that, there is the influence of government. There is there's a new government basically in town so and in that in that give a give a history lesson that the Jews had their government and their civil government where they tried to maintain religion even while they were under a civil government of Rome now Rome basically ultimately. Rome kind of had a a mixed match of religion, but it eventually arose to be emperor worship was the primary was the primary thing in Rome. And so up until <coughs> up until about three hundred twelve AD, the civil and the religious was separated we had basically church and state okay a separation of church and state because the the state didn't want to have anything to do with those christians until the christians got so many that they had to do something about it and my belief is is constantine who was the roman emperor in 312 a.d basically said hey I'm going to become a Christian and adopt Christianity and help because that's where everybody else is is doing. And so in that, church and state became the same. And church and state was the same for a very long time until 1620. Now, Pastor has mentioned about the 1619 Project. So, but in 1619, Jamestown was founded in sixteen oh eight. In sixteen nineteen the first slaves were brought over and that's where they get the sixteen nineteen project. Well in sixteen twenty guess who come comes along. Thanksgiving pilgrims come along. So there's two threads running through America. There's those who want religious freedom from the sixteen twenties, the pilgrims, the Puritans of sixteen thirty and others. And then all that, and then there was, basically, if we can say it, and actually, I think I probably got relatives who were in Jamestown soon after 1619, who were probably slaves themselves, indentured slaves, right? Maybe? Okay, maybe not. She's the, the, uh, my mom is the family historian genealogy expert. Okay, so as but anyway, anyway, we got we got Jamestown, who really did not believe in uh, religious freedom. It basically was very congregational. But as you trace American history, what is the First Amendment to the Constitution? What is and even the first thing, the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights says there shall be no establishment of religion. And you have the free exercise thereof. Actually, free exercise is first. Establishment is second. And so that is the first freedom. And so what... Our founding fathers believed is that the first freedom is a freedom of conscience that you can decide how to believe. Freedom. So what, is going, what I believe is going to be important as America restores back to its destiny is that we again realize what freedom is about. And even freedom, even political freedom. Political freedom, religious freedom go hand in hand, and so in that America would not exist except that it had religious freedom, and so in that in that going back to the biblical text, it says, The gates of Haiti shall not prevail against the church, the ecclesia, so the church again, there's really. I believe, I believe there's two functions, or at least we're going to say today, two functions of the church. There is, another Greek term is koaneia, fellowship. And so Sunday we had Koinea, we had fellowship. But we also got ecclesia, we have the governmental aspect of the church. You go back to gates of hell, where... Where in Israel, in Israel, they did not show up at a courthouse to have court. They showed up at the gates. You might look at the book of Ruth. Where did they do basically court business and really all kind of business? They did it at the gates. And so in that, what it it means by gates of hell is really the government of hell. And believe me, hell has a government. Satan has a government, and it likes to manifest itself out out in our world. That would be a Selah moment where we'd have to stop and think about it, How, how that is happening. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, the church, the ecclesia. So what is the ecclesia's responsibility? What is the church's responsibility in that? I think as a whole the church has been negligent about it being the ecclesia. I think in some ways we got the Koinea part pretty pretty good. We got yeah, we can have fellowship. But the ecclesia part and Koinea is is very important. Now, I'm not distracting from that, but I'm saying okay, what is this and some commentators disagree with this, but I believe they they need to read because they say you've got to read it in context. Well, I am reading in context. I am reading in context, and this is governmental. This is governmental, and it is saying gates of hell will not prevail. The church, the ecclesia, the government. Now, it's not civil government. It is spiritual government is what we're talking about. Which is different than the civil government, the spiritual government should be affecting the civil government where we have where we have been negligent as a church is we have not allowed ourselves to affect that civil government, so the civil government can basically act like the gates of hell, so it says he will give us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is how we operate. So there are keys to the kingdom of heaven that God has given to the church. He's not given just to Peter. Peter's dead now. And and if you believe, and Pastor Brett did, did talk about this church, and I believe there probably can be people saved from this church, but there's a whole religious layer of it which says, okay, it's successors of Peter basically has the keys to the kingdom and not us as a people, as an a, 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 a ecclesia. It's, we'll call it the church. Has the church. See, it's not just one person. It's all of us who have this authority. And that's part that's part of the problem. Why do we have unity? We don't have unity just to have unity. We have unity basically so that the kingdom of God may go forth, that the kingdom of God may have some power here. Instead of instead of, oh, we got unity and then when something happens we fall apart. So and it's like, it's like the gates of Haiti, yeah, it's coming against us. There's spiritual warfare out there. It is, I mean, today was a rough day because I could feel it. <laughs> Pastor prayed that yeah, you're going to feel it. I think I have felt it since I've been to this church. It has gone up a different level. But at the same time, I'm not going to live a defeated life. The gates of hell will not prevail. The church against it. What is it? It is the church. He won't won't prevail against us. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So, a key to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven. In heaven, okay. Again, commentator says, "Well, this is not what you think it means," but they don't go far enough. Binding and loosing was rabbinical terms; they were terms that they used, and I'm sure that that they used the rabbis used, and they said, "Okay, in their law, again, government law, I can say that." You gonna know what my profession is? Matthews was worse than mine. Yeah, lawyers are considered sharks, but tax collectors are worse than lawyers. Okay, but, but, but God saved. God saved even the tax collectors. So there's hope even for some lawyers out there, huh? You know, you know, down through the history, God has used a lot of lawyers, and we'll get into that someday. Okay. So whatever whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Okay, I think this goes to the power of prayer. And then you go to chapter 18, it mentions binding and loosing again. Now they use that, okay, that's talking about church discipline. And that is, but nobody uses that in church discipline context now. But if you read it closely, it says where two or three gather together and agree. How do you agree? You agree by being the the church, the ecclesia. You agree by being the ecclesia and basically agreeing in prayer. And that's how you bind and loose. And so binding and loosing is, is very important as a church because we're up against the gates of hell. We're up against it, and how do we prevail? We prevail by using the keys of the kingdom and so that and that is the key and it's like it's like i've read I've read the the text, and I think some of the rest of us in this congregation are up against it right now. We're seeing some warfare and what what God is saying is one of the things is. Yes, I believe there's corporate prayer each month. There's corporate prayer which basically says, hey, we are going to fight some, we're going to fight some battles. We're going to learn learn how to pray. There's a commitment to prayer among these guys. And so in that, it is, it is the ecclesia. So one of the things, one of the things that as we connect, we're gonna connect in prayer. We're gonna connect as First Corinthians twelve talks about when the ankle hurts the hand should hurt too. And so that is that is we need to get back to that as a church. Because when somebody needs prayer, we need to pray. And so in that we take it. We're all probably all experiencing something that we need prayer for. And in that it is good and we learn through Koinea and through fellowship, we learn that, hey, these are people that I can trust. These are people, but it's through the ecclesia, it's through us getting down on our knees that we basically and honestly. I hardly ever pray on my knees, but that's just the terminology. I mostly pray in bed or walking. So it's is, is in that it don't necessarily, I mean, there's times where a guy may say, no, get on your knees because it's an act of submission. But most of the time, most time it's an act of communication. And so, so in that, where do we want to connect? We want to connect with prayer. Prayer is going to win back this community. Prayer is going to win our battles for us. And so that is, and who, is, who, who, who do we pray, pray to? And it goes back to the original question. We pray to Jesus, the Son of God. We pray to God. Now the confession of our faith. And so, as I close tonight, that's, I think, the question question that we got is, okay, are we going to step up and be the church that prays, the church that does these things, the church that basically honors God and says, okay, we're going to win. We can have confidence that we are on the winning side. The world may say no; those Christians, and we're going to have them disappear by the year twenty thirty or twenty fifty. That is that's that's what, that's what the world that's what the world wants. They want us to disappear, but we're not going to disappear. They've tried to, they've tried to make Christians disappear before. And it hasn't worked. And yeah, there's going to be warfare. And that's why we need to come in there. It says, Hebrew says, do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other as a praying church. Yeah, it's it's great to have a Christmas party. But it's even greater to have a church that you know that's going to pray for you. And that's one of the things that we're going to connect. We're going to connect with the mayor and say, we're going to pray for you. We're praying for you, mayor. This is a church that is going to pray for the mayor Jackson. His name is Dwayne Hawes. You may want to start praying right now. Okay? And pray for, pray for where we're going. Pray for, pray for the people. My dad was a school superintendent for a long time. I know he would have probably appreciated a lot more prayer of people praying for him instead of criticizing him, and I know he got his handful of criticism, probably not as much prayer as he did, even from the church. So what if what if we pray for the school superintendent in Jackson? We can complain about the school system, better are we praying for the school system. Okay. I think that's all I got. I think we, if anybody does need prayer, I think we're here to pray for you. If not, we are praying for you even if you do not come forward.